In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Ascinda Virtual, which brings you thought leadership from leaders and businesses from all over the world. You can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only bring you thought leaders from all over the world, but we also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to this series, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us, don't worry about it because we're on all major podcast platforms from Apple Podcasts to Google Play to Stitcher to Spotify. And listen to us because in this series, you can learn a lot. You can get great advice. You can get hear leadership success stories that you can learn from that motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. I invite you to connect with me on leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And if you're a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for your business or yourself. Now, on to what we're going to talk about today. And we've talked about artificial intelligence in the past, but things have changed. We have all experienced so many changes over the last months with COVID-19, and not just the social or the communicational or the consumer changes, we've also experienced technological and medical advancement. And even with the announcement of the new vaccine, which we're all quite excited about, we are still experiencing great, a lot of great stress or strained health club, healthcare infrastructures. And these infrastructures are necessary. And we're also experiencing changes in things like tracing and tracking. And these are all being driven by artificial intelligence, where Artificial intelligence, AI, has really moved to the forefront, especially in healthcare and medicine. Now, the application of AI across healthcare networks and in medical devices is helping us improve process systems that perform tasks normally requiring human intelligence. It is giving us the bandwidth to perform tasks at greater speed and with better accuracy And it helps us in predicting patterns such as preventative medicine screening and in the case of COVID-19, tracing and tracking. But all this good stuff also comes with risks. Just like any technology, AI can have security issues when not managed correctly. And when it comes to health and medicine, this could cost lives. In this episode, we are going to take a look at AI in healthcare and medicine and talk about the kind of cybersecurity we need to not only protect our personal data, but to keep us from harm. And we have two experts to talk to us today. Inhale Rekik is the Senior Director of Information Security Engineering at BD, a global medical technology company that is advancing the world of health by improving medical discovery, diagnosis, and the delivery of care. She currently leads all information security engineering inter- uh, initiatives for enterprise IT, BD products, manufacturing, 
OT, and R&D. Before joining BD, Inhale was the Director of Health Technology Security at MedStar Health, where she founded the Program of Medical Device Security. Her awards include Intelligent Health Association Grand Award and Intelligent Health Association Improving Patient Care and Health Delivery. Our second guest is Erin Sparnon, and she is Senior Engineering Manager in ECRI's Device Evaluation Group and leads a team of engineers and analysts in testing and evaluation of medical devices as well as accident and forensic investigations involving device failures. She also provides consulting services for hospitals and health systems and coordinates with ECRI's risk and patient safety departments to help ensure, help shape and ensure EHR and IHIT safety initiatives. Erin contributed to the Pennsylvania Patient Safety Authority as senior patient safety analysis, co-authoring a landmark survey analysis of safety events related to the electronic health record. Um, and she's received national recognition. So ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kimberly. We're excited to be here. So let's just start with um, a quick high definition of AI and machine learning so our guests can understand what this is all about. Hi. Um, AI is best understood as an umbrella term, and we use it to talk about uh, different approaches that are used that include things like uh, machine learning, art, machine image recognition, and also uh, natural language processing. So for machine image recognition, a system looks through images for specific patterns or trends. My favorite one was when Google's XLab built a neural network of 16,000 computer processors with 1 billion connections. They let it browse YouTube, and over just three days, it got almost 80% accurate at identifying pictures of cats. <laughs> There's a natural language processing where a system looks through large bodies of text to try to pull out insights. There are lots of academics trying to use this technique to pull insights from vast pools of text from patients' electronic health records. Mm-hmm. Last of all, machine learning, that's where a system is taught to perform a specific task. So you feed the system a large pool of data and it creates predictive models where, which you improve over time by feeding in new data and feedback. So forecasters use machine learning all the time to analyze historical weather data and predict the weekly or monthly forecast based on current conditions. So, so you know, this we've all heard about AI, and, and we I think we've heard about the cat, the Google cat uh, <laughs> test. Um, but what what does AI mean to health networks and med- the medical community? Sure, it means a good opportunity to use technology to help caregivers make good decisions. So over the last few decades, the good news is thanks to the rise of electronic health records, we're collecting a ton of data on patients and their conditions and how they respond to care. The bad news is that humans aren't very good at memorizing and analyzing what happened the last few thousand times a cardiac stent was placed, while also trying to place the stent in a patient who's in real trouble. So the American Medical Association made a really good point when they published a board report on AI in healthcare in 2018. They stated that healthcare, uh, really a more appropriate term would be augmented intelligence for AI instead of artificial intelligence. So leaving aside the fact that, of course, physicians don't want to be replaced, they laid out a really good argument that it's better and more practical to use AI capabilities to extend what busy providers can do by helping them make better decisions faster rather than trying to replace a caregiver entirely. Mm-hmm. And and would you have um, an example of AI um, at work in medicine? Sure. I'll start with some FDA-cleared examples that are being used in different care areas. Uh, generally, the stuff that's FDA-cleared right now is being used to look through uploaded images. So we talked about image search a little bit ago. Uh, so in physician offices, there is a system called IDXDR, it's screening for diabetic retinopathy. So that's when high blood sugar levels damage the blood vessels in the back of your eye, and it can lead to blindness if you don't catch it and resolve it early. There is a system called OsteoDetect that looks at x-ray images of your wrist, and it looks for wrist fractures. 
And by providing feedback to the physician on where to look for a suspected fracture, it helps make sure that the fracture is detected if it's there and treated appropriately. It seems like it might be especially useful for areas like maybe a primary care office that doesn't see broken wrists all that often. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last one I ran into was a system called viz.ai that looks at CT images of the brain. So if you have a stroke, there's only a very little bit amount of time that uh, clinicians can start treating you before you really start losing uh, losing brain tissue. And using this CT analysis can help notify providers sooner of suspected bleeds or blockages. Mm-hmm. Now, I talked first about the FDA clearable technologies. Those are the ones that are being used to diagnose or treat patients. But there's a whole world of non-clinical uses of AI in healthcare. The FDA cleared stuff is actually only a small percentage of what's being tried out in the field. So my favorite non-clinical use I read into was there's a supplier named Hitachi that makes magnetic resonance or MR machines. These are the really big expensive devices that you know kind of look like a donut and you roll inside and you get a picture of your knee, your head or whatever's ailing you. Now, the challenge with these devices is that they're very expensive, and they're really, really expensive to shut off and on, like thousands of dollars and hours of labor to turn it back on if you need to shut it down for maintenance. And also, the hospital gets money for taking images. So if your MR machine is shut down, you have a million-dollar doorstop that's not bringing in any revenue, and you really don't want this happening during peak business hours, and you don't want your patients going elsewhere to get imaged. So Hitachi, the supplier, they fed a machine learning algorithm three years worth of sensor data from 100 MR systems, as well as all the data on what needed replacing or servicing over that time period and why. And the machine learning system got good enough at spotting problems in the sensor data before something broke that it helped hospitals in their pilot study take their downtime down by 16%, which is considered really impressive. It also helped them schedule replacement and maintenance for off-peak hours when it was necessary. Mm-hmm. And so all this is all this is going on, Erin, is really, really interesting. Um, but this is all in the hospitals. Um, what about outside the hospitals? Okay, um, you know, is is where is AI in in home? You know, is it applicable in medicine and home care in some other areas? Good point. There are non-clinical uses popping up all over outside the hospital. So I ran into a startup company called Care Predict. It's a they have a wearable device and smart remote sensors for data capture that you put around your home. So think of it almost like a cross between a beefed up Alexa with indoor GPS. They're claiming that they're tracking whether the, usually it's going to be an elderly parent at home, whether that elder is doing things like, are they staying in bed all day? Are they not going into the kitchen enough? That could indicate that they're uh, either self-neglect or depression if they're not eating. They are also looking for things like if the person visits the bathroom too often, um, that could possibly indicate a urinary tract infection. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the, I mean, this is where really the advancement is coming in when you can think about, you can bring it in your home, but um, we're going to take a, a break soon, but I have one more question. So we have all this technology and we know like with drugs, the FDA has to approve it. Is there approval pos- um, process for, for technology, uh, AI technology or augmented reality um, in medicine? There sure is. So the Food and Drug Administration looks over uh, those types of AI technology that are used for either diagnosing or treating disease. So if it's being used in a clinical setting, that's kind of clinical use means diagnosis or treatment. Uh, If the FDA has oversight over the system, the regulations allow for AI tools to be used in the development of a system that diagnoses or treats patients. But during in the current regulations, that system needs to be baked in and shown to FDA in its finished form, along with information about how it was developed, the training data used, and how it performs at whatever clinical task it's trying to do. So remember, in order to create an AI-enabled system, you start with a training set of data. It makes predictions about what that training set means. You can train that model over time by feeding in new data and feeding in feedback. And then when you present it new data, it'll tell you, you know, it'll give, make its predictions on that new data. Mm-hmm. Okay. One exa- 
So one example is for the eye screening example I talked about, the supplier had to show FDA a clinical study of 900 images from 10 different primary care sites that showed that their software made the right call almost 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, really, really, really interesting. And when you think about it, so you're getting these, these approvals, you're, you're testing it. Um, we're going to take a short break now. And when we get back, I, I want to talk a little bit about security around it because that that's, you know, um, you know, all this technology is out there. How do you keep it secure? And for our listeners, we were just talking with Erin Sparnan, and she's a senior engineering manager in ECRI's device evaluation group and leads a team of engineers and analysts in the testing and evaluation of medical devices, as well as accident and forensic devices involving, involving device failures. And we've been listening to Erin, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Inhale and Inhale Rekick. And Inhale is the Senior Director of Information Security Engineering at BD, one of the largest medical technology companies. And she currently leads all information security engineering initiatives in that company. And we're talking about AI and its use in medics, medicine, and health. And if you want to reach out to Inhale, you can reach out to Inhale Rekick on LinkedIn, and Aaron Sparnan is also on LinkedIn. And if you have questions, you can contact me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Today, we are part of an ever-changing mix of technological advances and business trends that redefine how we work, ongoing performance, and our world around us. Tune into Humanity Evolve with host Catherine Calarco. It's an open discussion about these trends and advances that come together to create a positive future for you, your family, and your world. Humanity Evolve can be heard live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are, at home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And today we're talking about the use of AI and the security around AI in healthcare and medical. And of course, this is quite a timely subject with everything that's going on in the world today. And we have two experts with us, Inhale Rekick and Aaron Sparnan. And Inhale is the Senior Director of Information Security Engineering at BD, one of the largest medical technology companies. And she currently leads all information security engineering initiatives for enterprise, IT, BD, products, manufacturing, OT, and R&D. And Erin is a senior engineering manager in ECRI's device evaluation group and leads a team of engineers and analysts in testing and evaluation of medical devices as well as accident and forensic investigations involving device failures. Um, So we've been just kind of getting our audience around, trying to get their heads around, you know, what uh, AI and technology is doing in healthcare and medicine, 
And um, we talked to Aaron, some great insights in the first segment. And I think I'm going to come to inhale now. And, um, you know, we're seeing with inhale with COVID-19, we're seeing an increase in cybersecurity attacks. So, I mean, if there's a crease across the board, that means there's going to be um, a crease increase around medical and healthcare. So what are the risks uh, around using AI in medicine and healthcare? Yeah, I think, hi, Kimberly. So with COVID, um, we actually seen the transformation the way we do business. So we all working from home remote. We're stressing our infrastructure. Uh, for, for hospitals, they are doing more like telehealth, uh, remote uh, visits instead of inpatient visits. So we're obviously stressing our infrastructure. And on top of that, um, ma- hackers and uh, are still like uh, there. There is an increased number of cyber themed attacks and a t- intrusion attempt to our system. So we need the the industry. Um, need to be vigilant. But when it comes to AI, the risks are the same as any software enabled, but the impact on how to identify the issue can be different. For example, like an AI system has the, the, the model, the model weight of the AI system can be modified by a cybersecurity attack. And um, that need to be taken, uh, this needs to be taken uh, into consideration when you're designing your AI system um, and you're doing like what's called a threat modeling. Mm-hmm. And and so so we're seeing all these increase, and so you you have to take that. I mean, these risks in healthcare systems though are are quite different. I mean, than some of the hacks that we see, aren't they? Yes, the the risks are quite different, obviously, because there is uh, when you use AI in healthcare, the risk is different because there is also the added aspect of patient impact and patient care. So let's take, for instance, a heuristic use case, which might not be that far away for us, right? So you talk into uh, a chat box and you that ask you about your systems, and then from there you're directed into um, like clinician to see if a clinician, you know the the analysis of the AI system could be wrong. So that needs to be taken into consideration. If you're making diagnosis or that needs to be, you need to have a human validate the AI results. So I think overall, I would say um, because there is a patient impact, that there is an added risk about using AI, but also benefits as well. Mm-hmm. And this patient impact, this is this is the, the on the, the health of the patient is one thing. But um, let, let's talk about, you know, personal data because because you know that that is covered by by you know in Europe by GDPR CCPA in California so so you're this is like real personal data okay um, so, I, mean, um, I mean you know what, what's what you know how do you deal with that yeah I mean obviously AI and Data is central to AI systems, right? So, and in healthcare, there is also your patient health record. So, AI system in general needs lots of data. They consume a lot of data. That data moves quite fast. And um, usually data is stored in the cloud uh, and services provide what we call is a fancy term, machine learning as a service. So I think cloud is not new to the industry, but the way the data and the amount of data is actually relatively new. So defense and depth is important. But in addition to that, uh, as you mentioned, like the privacy regulations, the the way the, I think it's it's really important to use um, strong anonymization techniques so that you're not tracing that data back to an individual uh, because I think the research community have said that uh, have actually shown that some of the algorithm could be susceptible to what's called mem- membership inference attack which one can say if uh, one person's data is used to train a model so. Obviously, AI is important. Data is important, uh, but because your patient health record is is cost more than your bank account, is worth more because it has your uh, your address, your um, your um, insurance information. So I think overall, um, that that those that needs to be taken into account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so if you're in 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 a setting, um, a healthcare setting or a um, hospital. Um, and you obviously every company has a traditional cybersecurity program, okay? So, how does AI stand to impact 
a traditional cybersecurity program? Yes. Yeah, so when you're a hospital and I think either out of business and you're trying to, you want to purchase AI systems. So I think the, the it's very important to, um, y- there is two roles that the company could play with AI. So either you're, you're going to consume AI or you're going to, your data is going to be used to, um, to train, to create AI systems. So since AI is, since data is central to AI system development, so it's really important to understand where, are you providing your data? Uh, what is what is done with the data? Are they is your data going to be used to be to continuously train the model? And um, so you really need the structure in place. So you need to review that and have uh, make sure you have your legal and risk governance, uh, risk management as well. Uh, and, and you can uh, address some of those risks through contract negotiation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let, let let's talk a little bit about the risk. Okay, um, the risk management. Um, especially in a in a medical you know um how do you perform a risk assessment yeah so i think every company will have their own risk assessment but i think as i explained um so you you need to understand uh, what's actually does it, first of all is does it make sense to use ai to make that business decision uh that's it is the first question that you need to ask yourself uh, prior to an looking in any AI system. And also you want to understand what data is used, how the model is trained, um, what's the accuracy of the system, uh, what is used, who's going to maintain the system as well, uh, because you're going to need additional skill set. And also um, you might also want to make sure uh, when you run a risk assessment to see if it's applicable, you might want to also see if you can run some historical data. And with that, it's a fancy word means that you run data through your AI system for which you know the outcome. And that way you can validate the integrity of the AI system. Mm -hmm. And something you said was really quite interesting. You said um, the first step is you have to evaluate, does it make sense to use AI for something? Um, How do you approach that? I mean, do you have a certain criteria you use to see, does it make sense to use AI or does it not? Yeah, I think there is like as part of the governance committee, um, so you can identify since some of the scenarios don't really uh, necessitate AI. Like let's say, I think you want you should be using AI to um, enhance your decision making or make the faster decisions. Some of the decision like whose resume you're gonna look at, I don't think you you need AI for that because. It, it's important to keep in mind that AI is prone to bias. So it's that's really important to have all these stakeholders um, weigh in and a proper governance over AI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to talk about governance a little a little later. Um, let me let me just ask, um, come back to a little bit what Aaron said in the first segment on where it's being used, and. Um, um, you know, we're in the middle of this pandemic. I mean, what are some of the best uses of AI you've seen right now in the pandemic? So the uh, the the main systems that I've been seeing come through the FDA route have really been those image recognition systems. Uh, we've seen some that are looking to do things like uh, look through chest X-rays for symptoms of coronavirus. Uh, the challenge there, of course, is that. Um, the medical community doesn't really recommend using a chest x-ray as a standard diagnostic pool because we don't want to be irradiating people when we don't have to. So yeah. there's a there's a lot of opportunities there to try to, you know, look for patterns in data. But I mean, I would say any any AI system that is helping clinicians, you know, help ease that burden of dealing with a fire hose of information and make decisions better and quicker is going to be helpful right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with with those things that are helpful, um, there's still risk on top of it. Is inhale, you know, wh- wh- where are the risks in, you know, we're trying to get this help, but how do you weigh the risks there? Yeah, I think it's so. I think the first question is like, what are you using AI for, right? So is this something that you can solve with the with the tools you have? Are you trying to 
be more efficient? Are you trying to, uh, to, to find a more proper way or faster way to diagnose? I think that's really the first case scenario because AI is really, at the end of the day, is augmented intelligence. We want to become more intelligent. In this case, look at the scenario and see if you can really uh, make it, uh, if you can make your business more efficient. Uh, I think in the pandemic, um, if we look at AI, uh, we could like analyze analysis. Like, let's say we can analyze. Um, there could be analysis of all the the patient that have that got coronavirus and those that ended up, for example, with a, with a hospital bed and do analysis over like um, using that maybe in the future to predict who's going to require an ICU bed and who's going to be uh, not need an ICU bed and would be able to be treated with uh, w with medication because we really there is a lot we don't know um, that industry does not know about COVID for example. Mm -hmm. And and with this AI, let me just stay in the security. Um, in the U.S., I, I've seen there's probably only about 10 states who do tracing and tracking, okay? And um, just I'd just like an opinion from both of you uh, right before the break on, on, you know, do you think the tracing and tracking works um, and what are the risks around it? And, Hale, I'll start with you. Okay, so tracing... Uh yeah, I mean, I think there are benefits to um, to tracing. Um, definitely, if you want to go to a place and if you open the economy, there might be uh, advantages to uh, tracing. Uh, but then I think the risk is really the privacy around it and the data. And that's actually a whole other story that will need to be addressed. What if you, what what is what's the use of that data and the future? Like, is it going to be used for future purposes? Mm -hmm. And Aaron, do you have an opinion on that? Sure. I think that the the uh, the human involvement in tracing and tracking is, I mean, it's it's significant. And so, you know, as we are short staffed, as you know, I've heard from some Midwestern states where tracing and tracking is boiling down to just calling people as fast as they can to notify, uh, just for positive test results. You know, if AI can help ease that burden, that would be a very positive thing. Uh, but I I think that. Um, Tracking and tracing is going to still require a lot of human time and human input and and uh, and data gathering from the people who are, have tested positive. Yeah, and I think that's what happens in Europe right now. It's kind of on a volunteer basis, um, even though at a uh, country level there's quite a large percentage of people doing it. Um, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, governances and 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 you know data security and and how we make sure that we're safe with the use of AI. And um, for our listeners, we're talking about AI in medical to, uh, today. And we're listening today to Inhale Rekick and Aaron Sparnon. And Inhale is the Senior Director of Information Security at BD, one of the largest medical technology companies. And she currently leads all information security engineering initiatives for enterprise IT, BD products, manufacturing, OT, and R&D. And Erin is the Senior Engineering Manager in ECRI's Device Evaluation Group and leads a team of engineers and analysts in the testing and evaluation of medical devices as, as uh, well as accident and forensic investigations involving device failures. And if you'd like to reach out to Inhale, you can reach out to her on LinkedIn, and that's Inhale, I-N-H-E-L, Rekick, R-E-K-I-K, and Aaron Sparnon, Aaron, E-R-I-N, and Sparnon, S-P-A-R-N-O-N. And this show is also brought to you by Cinda Virtual. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Cinda holds digital conferences in Europe. And the Cinda Virtual is available 24 hours a day with podcasts such as this, as well as webinars and trainings. And if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Your 
favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you see a path to exciting opportunities? Are you missing transformation situations in your world? Tune into Get to the Future on Time. Do differently tomorrow. Hosted by Jay Allen. We will challenge you to question what is seen as impossible to do in your field. But if done, would be transformative to understand that the burden of regret is greater than the risk of leading. Listen every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And today we're talking about AI and its use in healthcare and medical. And we're talking with two experts, Inhale Rekik and Aaron Sparnan. And Inhale is the Senior Director of Information Security Engineering at BD, one of the largest medical technology companies. And she currently leads all information security engineering initiatives for enterprise IT, BD products, manufacturing OT, and R&D. And Aaron is the Senior Engineering Manager in ECRI's Device Evaluation Group and leads a team of engineers and analysts in the testing and evaluation of medical devices as well as accident and forensic investigations involving medical device failures. So we're talking we're talking about this AI use and um, we're talking about risk. So inhale just a, a quick question to follow up on what we talked about with you. Um, is there anything else that, that's really important when you do a risk assessment before we start talking about the governances and things? Yeah, I think it's really important to look at the data. So are you, uh, what, what role are you going to bring with AI? Are you going to uh, produce data? Is the AI system going to continue using, um, continue learning uh, using uh, the, the data that you provide? So it's really important to assess that during your risk assessment and also assess the uh, vendor because there is a lot of startup in this domain, like what reputation do they have? And also assess the current structure. Do you have the proper structure and the training in place for the system admin to be maintaining these systems? And let's say, uh, I think one of the other things that you can mention that you can request is also how was revision made to the system? Because these, the, some of these models can, like um, what we call, are susceptible to model decay, like they lose accuracy over time. So how is that uh, model updated over mm-hmm. time? Is it going to be revision that's included or do you have to purchase that uh, update? Yeah, that's good. And then with all that data and all the information, it gets into governances, okay, which is so important in security. And Aaron, um, to come back to you, um, you know, we all know that governance is, governance is important, okay, but what's the difference and, and what's different with them when AI is involved? Sure. So compared to any networked medical device or software, AI doesn't raise any new types of questions. But like Inhel was saying, the effects could be different, the patients could be involved, and it could be harder to figure out what went wrong. So it's even more important that your governance committee does its due diligence and brings together like clinical risk management, legal, cybersecurity, bring in IT or whoever is going to be implementing and maintaining their AI system. And they need to agree on kind of three main things. The first is, what are you trying to accomplish with this AI? Like, are you trying to better identify stroke patients by running their brain CT images through viz.ai? Like, what's the outcome that you want? Number two, does your clinical population match the training data set for that AI uh, closely enough that you feel it'll produce good results with its models? You know, is the data that you're going to be feeding it 
close enough to the data on which it was trained that you trust that its models are going to give you some good results. And then number three, uh, what if bad results happen? So what are the risks of getting the wrong answers from the AI? Uh, how can you mitigate them? Are there um, checks or balances you could put in place? Uh, after you've done all your mitigation, do you have you know, liability insurance to cover any risks that are left over after you've mitigated everything you can? So the questions and what you need to do about AI aren't new. It's just that because maybe the effects might be more subtle and it might be harder to figure out what's gone wrong, you know, you need to, to do your homework more than ever. Mm-hmm. And so what could go wrong, Erin? So <laughs> all the, the, uh, the, more, the more fun examples that I've seen lately have been coming out of the research field because, I mean, unsurprisingly, researchers are having a field day playing with AI systems and showing examples of how they can be gamed. So, you know, we keep talking models, models. Usually you can game an AI system by feeding in weird input data. So two examples that I thought were kind of interesting is first, a group of researchers at McAfee, the uh, software folks, Mm -hmm. got the AI-enabled automatic speed limit detection for a Tesla car to read a 35-mile-an-hour zone as an 85-mile-an-hour zone just by adding a few inches of electrical tape to the middle of the three. So Mm -hmm. to human eyes, we're looking at that, and it looks like a weird three, but it clearly still says 35. But the Tesla system is like, oh, man, that is an 85. I'm going to speed up now. (laughs) And uh, also, distributed neural networks. So remember when I mentioned that Google developed that one that specialized in cat videos? Well, it turns out that you can spoof those two by changing just some pixels in an inputted image. So not enough for a human eye to interpret. But there was some neat research where researchers took an image of a panda and the AI system said, yeah, I'm about 50% sure that's a panda, so eh, not that bad. But they changed a few different pixels, so nothing that a human eye could detect. To me, I'm looking at it, it still looks like a panda, but the distributed neural network responds, ah, I am 80% sure that's a gibbon. So it's, you know, It'll be interesting to see what could happen in, in healthcare, but I mean, if we're having this much fun with it and with cars and with uh, cat videos, then you know, it <laughs> remains to be seen. <laughs> okay. But I mean, okay, I mean, we're kind of laughing at this, but you know, it, it's serious stuff at the end. So, inhale, how, how do companies protect themselves when things go wrong or, or from things going wrong? Yeah, I think that the the first thing is really uh, use AI when needs to be used. I think we we cover that. Uh, then the really the second thing is really to make sure that your the the contract addresses um, you, that you've reviewed the accuracy of the system. That the, also the the risk that have been identified through risk assessment are also addressed uh, tailored in the contract negotiation. And also you want to be able to monitor deviation of your system. Like if it's if you're using AI. Uh, and the the data the model goes bad how do you know that like it should be you, there should be like some sets of data that you run periodically on your system if applicable that gives you th- that you can say okay my ai system is still accurate not recognizing uh what you say panda for given uh but um yeah so and also there is uh you want to make sure that like, you have a trained system admin maintaining these systems and that you get the future vision if included or or that you purchase it if it's not included and also um there's you can monitor like the security aspect of it um through ai like there is these uh, uh, there is in the market some ai system that monitor that could monitor um the integrity of uh, the AI system, but it really does not eliminate the actually having processes in place to really make sure that your AI system, the integrity of it, which I think what I refer to the way model of the AI can be modified either like intentionally by tape and like a three or unintentionally um, by uh, the, the model going bad or someone, some malicious, uh, maliciously, uh, someone compromising the system. So. And and um, with that, you know, how much does training and data security play in this uh, inhale? So I think the training is really so uh, it's really making sure that you're um, identifying uh, that you're training the AI the AI th- those who maintain it because they are usually uh, just maintain uh, using 
they're just uh, used to uh, maintaining PCs or other medical devices. They don't really understand uh, on AI system and how to make sure that it comes. Uh, it's it's uh, what what to do uh, to make sure that the system is still inter- integral to that. So you can have throughout your company some training programs and some specifically targeted for those who use AI versus those who maintain AI. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say something does go wrong. Okay. Um, and hey, I'll stay with you for a minute on on the technical side. Um, how, how do you respond? Okay. Something so, goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, the hardest part is going to be to detect when something goes wrong. Once you detect it, um, it depends on the use case. So, you want to assess the impact of the incident on your AI model. So I think does the is the the integrity of system is still uh, correct? Did your AI system ingest bad data and then it got compromised? And I think th- given that AI system are mostly maintained by vendors, so you want to make sure that you incorporate them, the vendor, into your incident response uh, plan. Also, if you want to restore the system, you want to make sure that you have a proper backup procedure and so that you can report, uh, re- so that you can um, restore uh, the, pre- the previous data that you have. Mm-hmm. And really and- involve, like, your security, your legal, uh, your risk management um, yeah. mm-hmm, into, the, uh, into this. And- Process. And, and, and then when you say involve them, I mean communication. And we know um, that in the privacy laws with GDPR that people are supposed to communicate people within 24 hours that there's been a breach. Erin, um, what about communication around this? How important is that? Well, the good news is that healthcare has, you know, decades of experience in communicating errors. And the way that you communicate an AI-related cyber event to the public is the exact same way you'd communicate any error or hazard in healthcare. So, I mean, we've been notifying for people for decades when a mix-up in lab results has resulted in a potential medical error or if they've been exposed to maybe an a endoscope that wasn't cleaned quite well enough. So notifying them that an AI-enabled system contributed to a medical error doesn't raise any new issues. So you need to, you know, first carefully explain what happened, why it happened to the extent that you know, you know, what the patient needs to do in the case of an AI event, you know, if has any other information been breached, you know, what do they need to know to make themselves safe and what steps have been placed to prevent future errors? Because making sure that you, you've, Fulfill all those objectives is going to maintain the maintain the trust of your patients mm-hmm. and make sure that they're comfortable in with the use of this technology. Yeah, and I mean this is all going so fast right now because it's so around us and and um, you know just th- this whole COVID has kind of put everything at warp speed. So um, let me I, we're getting towards the end of our show and I just want to ask you guys something completely off. Off the rec- off the subject of AI and medical, um, but related. Um, you're both men in tech, and there's only about five to eight percent of you. So, I mean, this uh, this conversation is amazing, um, and we do have a lot of young university women listening. Um, any advice to to uh, women that want to get into this field? And Erin, I'll start with you. Sure. I was lucky enough to come to this field through biomedical and clinical engineering. Uh, My university classes were 50-50, you know, back longer than I would want to admit ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it really wasn't until I, you know, took a bunch of electrical engineering courses as well that I kind of felt the, the gender gap a bit. But just recognize that that engineering and tech fields are rapidly feminizing. I mean, go find peers in your groups, you know, make friends, share stories. Uh, it's it's always helpful to have other people in your position that you can can pull information from. You know, go connect on LinkedIn, find people who are doing an interesting job and see how they got there. Yeah, great. And inhale, any advice? Yes, I think it's really don't shy away from technology. I think it's uh, we can, uh, women as consumers of technologies, we really need to bring in my, our voices into it. When I did my bachelor's in computer engineering also a long time ago, I was one of the few women uh, at the table. And here at BD, we are three women leaders uh, leading the in the information security group. So I think... We need, uh, women need to look up to other women who are actually in technology. So find a role model, ask questions, 
you don't really need to be that that technical to go into like a technology field because there's so many aspects of it. So I think don't don't shy away from it. Um, just go with it. I think Love if it. you like math and science, just go with it. I think it's yeah. it has a tremendous growth. It's it's yeah. really a field that has a tremendous growth opportunities and uh, interesting things such as AI and yeah uh, others. Really encouraging. So just, um, we're, we're really getting down. I just want one last word from each of you. If you can put it in one sentence, because I feel the future is quite bright. One sentence that describes um, AI and medical for the future. Erin? Uh, check the training data <laughs> against the patients that you want to treat. Okay, good. <laughs> and uh, inhale one one sentence. Okay, I think it's really important to make sure that uh, regulations are in place to encourage the responsible use of AIs because as AI can be used to um, improve uh, decision-making and care, it could be also used for malicious aspects such as using it to target, to build scalable, like targeting phishing attacks and others. So it's really important that as an industry, um, this doesn't get overlooked. Great. Well, thank you so much for both being with us. And for our listeners, we've been talking to Inhale Rekick and Aaron Sparnan. And Inhale is a Senior Director of Information Security Engineering at BD, one of the largest medical technology companies. And Aaron Sparnan is a Senior Engineering Manager at ECRI's Device Evaluation Group. And both of them have been talking. If you'd like to reach out to them, you can reach out to both of them on LinkedIn under Inhale Rekick, and that's R-E-K-I-K, and Aaron Sparnon, and that's S-P-A-R-N-O-N. And if you have questions for me, you can reach out to me at leadershipbeyondmortars at gmail.com. And you can listen to us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And this broadcast was also brought to you by Cinda Virtual. And if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, I thank everybody for listening. And I thank my guests. And please tune in to us next week. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.